So we're going to read from a well-known portion of scripture taken from Luke 19. It is the story of a guy named Zacchaeus. I'm sure many of you will know it well. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 19. Otherwise, it will appear on the screen as if by magic behind me. So let me read what it says. He entered Jericho, that is Jesus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. He is very relatable to me. <laughs> he couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd and because of his height. So he, he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they, the crowd, saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I love this this passage, like I say, it's well known. You may well have uh, studied it in Sunday school if you've been in church since that kind of age, or you might have heard it preached on many times before. But what we're going to do this morning, we're just going to walk through this scene and see what it is that we can learn from this interaction between Zacchaeus and Jesus. It says he, Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was. In another translation, it says he was very eager to see Jesus. He wanted to see him. He was eager to see him. Because the reality is that everywhere that Jesus went, word spread that he was coming. People knew that this man who healed the sick, who brought the dead to life, who was controversial sometimes, they knew that this man was coming to town. And so people gathered around and they crowded together just to get a glimpse of him. And Zacchaeus was no different. And so as the crowds gathered around and the swarms of people kind of lined the streets, he couldn't see a thing. It's like me when I go to a concert. Inevitably, the giant will stand right in front of me and I'm straining to see the band even on a stage. I can't even get a glimpse of them. And that's what Zacchaeus felt like in this moment. He, he couldn't see because the crowds had gathered in front of him and he was, a, he was a small guy. And so he had this genius idea to run ahead and to climb a tree. And that sounds funny to us, doesn't it? That, you know, it might be fun to go and climb a tree. And, but the reality is that in those days, grown men didn't climb trees. Adults didn't climb trees. Kids climbed trees, and that was fun, and it was all fun and games for them, but, but adults didn't climb trees. It was almost laughable. And so seeing this little man scurrying up a tree to get a glimpse of this, this Jesus guy would have been like, they'd have just been like, hey, get a load of this guy. What a fool climbing a tree. 
He just looks like an idiot. What, what is he doing? And I find it interesting that, that Zacchaeus, a, a tax collector, a, a sinner it describes him in the scripture we read, he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus so badly that, that actually he was willing to humble himself. He was willing to, to almost humiliate himself in front of the crowd just to get a glimpse of Jesus, just to see Jesus. Doesn't it say in Matthew 18, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so Zacchaeus, he almost became in that moment like a child scurrying up a tree, looking foolish just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And the truth is that if Zacchaeus had prioritized his, his reputation, whatever reputation he had as a, as a tax collector, if he'd prioritized what people thought about him climbing this tree, he'd never have been able to see Jesus. He'd have lost his chance to, to see Jesus. And I believe that for us, there are moments in our lives where, where we need to move past the fear of what people might think of us. There are moments in our lives where, where we need to, to recognize that, yes, people might say things about us. They might talk about us behind our backs. They might even laugh at us or criticize us or, or judge us. But if we need to meet Jesus, we need to push past this fear of what people might think. What might they think about me if I raise my hands in worship? What might people say about me if I, if I ask them, if I can, you know, if I ask my work colleagues if I can pray for them? What might people say if, if I share a word that I feel is from God? What might, I, uh, what might people say about me if I offer to pray for my school friends? What might they say? What might they think? What might they do? Following Jesus will inevitably involve risking our reputation, risking mockery. And we need to get past that worry about what people might think about us, about what people might say about us. Following Jesus, it requires us to, to rethink our priorities. Like Zacchaeus in that moment, he could have prioritized not looking like a fool climbing the tree, but instead he, he moved past that and he climbed the tree just to see Jesus. Because it's worth it, isn't it? It's worth it because seeking Jesus, stepping out in faith, walking in the plans and purposes that he has for our lives is far more important than what people might think or what people might say. So Zacchaeus climbed this tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And who knows that when you go looking for Jesus, you'll find him. When you go looking for Jesus, you'll find him. And when we encounter Jesus, incredible things will happen. So let's look at what happens next in this story. It says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And it was this verse, as I, as I read it one evening, just reading my devotionals, that, that kind of struck me. And so it, it birthed this message. So I just want to hang out here for a little while. 
when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. When I read that verse, a verse that I have, have grown up with, that I have heard preached on more times than I can count. When I read that verse, in that moment, I was struck by the fact that Jesus called him by name. Jesus called him by name. He didn't say, hey, you, come down. He didn't say, oi, shorty, get down from that tree. You look like a fool. They'd never met before. They didn't know each other, and yet Jesus called him by name. Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I want to have dinner with you today. And what hit me as I read that, that verse is the truth that when we encounter Jesus, when we encounter Jesus, he calls us by name. He calls us by name. Now, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and, and so as a Jewish man working for the Romans, he was considered a traitor, he was scum, he was not someone you wanted to associate with, you didn't want to hang out with this guy for fear of, of kind of catching his, his dirtiness and being kind of, you know, covered with that kind of, uh, that, that idea that you could be related to this, this sinner, as we read in the scripture. And it was no secret that he was a rich man and he got rich off extorting people. He would charge these ridiculously high taxes and then skim off the top to get himself rich while other people suffered. He was not a nice guy. He was not a nice guy. But when Jesus came to this little man in a tree, he saw through the labels. He saw through the stigma. He saw through this guy's profession and the, the things and the actions of his past. He saw through all of that to the man that Zacchaeus was created to be and he called him by name. He called him by name. Zacchaeus means pure. Zacchaeus means clean. These are not words that you would associate with a lying, cheating, tax-collecting sinner. But Jesus doesn't call us by what the world sees. He doesn't call us by our flaws or the mistakes from our past. He calls out of us the man or the woman that we were created to be. He calls us by name. And Zacchaeus was created to be pure. And so in that moment when he arrived at the tree, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, a man who is clean, a man who is pure, come down and let me reveal more of that to you as we meet together, as we encounter each other. Now, names in Jesus' day were incredibly important. It's why you see throughout scripture that God gave people new names, didn't he? Abram, which means exalted father, became Abraham, a father of many nations. Jacob became Israel after wrestling with God. And Simon, meaning he heard, became Peter, meaning rock, after he declared that Jesus was the Christ, because no longer did he believe that by hearing, but he believed it by faith. And it's on that declaration, on that rock, that Jesus will build his church. Names were so important, and, and they're important to us as a family too. And Ruth shared this story before, but I'll share it again in case you've not heard it. 
Um, we were at a park one day and, you know, the kids just loved to play. So they were off and they were doing their thing. And Caleb was at the top of this structure and there was a fireman's pole. And he got to the top of this fireman's pole and he looked down. Now, he'd, he'd been on many fireman's poles before. He loved them. But this one was just that little bit taller than he was perhaps used to. And so he stood on the edge and he, he maybe gripped the pole and he looked down. But there was this fear inside of him. And so after a moment, he actually turned around and began to walk away from the fireman's pole. And, and Ruth said that she, she cried out to him, hey, you, what's your name? And so he turned around with like a confused look on his face. You're my mother. You know my name. What the heck are you on about? And he goes, Caleb. And she said to him, what does that mean? What does that mean? And he says, it means brave. And then he clocked what she was saying and he returned to that fireman's pole, perhaps with a little bit more courage, and he clung onto the pole and he went down that fireman's pole, feeling a sense of, yes, I've done this, because he knew his identity. He knew his identity. When God calls you by name, it changes everything. When God calls you by name, it changes how you see yourself, which then in turn changes how you behave. And the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we begin to recognize who we are and whose we are. And he reveals to us the man or the woman that we were created to be. Now, I don't want to get too hung up on names. Don't be going home and Googling what your name is and then questioning your identity in this day and age. They are not that important to some people. That is why we have names like Moon Unit. These are real celebrity children's names. Moon Unit, Sage Moonblood. That is Sylvester Stallone's child. And then, of course, the uh, infamous X-A12, that's how you say it. That is Elon Musk, the Tesla creator's son's name. Bonkers. You wonder why it's legal. <laughs> Whatever your name, don't get hung up on that. That is not my point this morning. Whatever your name, the point is that when you encounter Jesus... When you meet with Jesus, he sees beyond the external, beyond any labels, beyond any actions of your past, and he reveals to you who you really are. He reveals to you who you really are, and he's calling you by name. The name he's got on your life, he's calling you by name. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them, People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. And I believe that even for, even this morning, for some people in the room, that actually God is calling something out of you. Maybe during the worship time that we spent, you, you maybe felt God begin to move in your spirit. Maybe a, a fire that was just kind of kindling away began to kind of catch a greater flame and began to fan into something a bit more. And God is calling something out of you. Don't ignore it. If that's you, if that's a sense that you got today during worship, God is calling something out of you. And it might even be something that doesn't make sense. It might be something you were unaware of. But he's calling something out of you. When we encounter Jesus, he calls something out of us. The people we were created to be. 
And that kind of encounter, it can happen in so many ways, can't it? It can happen through worship. It can happen through reading scripture. It can happen through a prophetic word or a dream or a vision. It can happen through words spoken by friends or family members or strangers even. It can happen when we least expect it. It can happen when we're not even looking for it. God can speak to us, he can encounter us, and he can call something out of us. I had one of these encounter moments with God, and many of you here will already know this, but I will share it anyway for those of you who don't. Back in June 2017, we were having dinner, Ruth and I, with our pastors at the time, uh, Ego, just in Lytham, and I remember it so vividly because Jill over dinner looked at me and she said, have you ever thought about being in full-time ministry? And the truth is I had not, not even an iota. That was not on my radar. It was not something I wanted to do. It was not a passion of mine at all. Marketing was my career. That was my role. I was good at it. I went to uni and studied marketing for four years. I worked in the industry for 10 years, maybe a bit more. I was good at it. I enjoyed it. It was my passion. It was what God had had put in me to do, at least for that time. And so when Jill looked over the dinner table and said to me, have you ever thought about being in full-time ministry? A moment before that, I'd have laughed. But in that moment, God changed something in my spirit. And I found myself saying, do you know what? That makes sense. But the reality is up until that moment, it made absolutely no sense. But then in that moment, when the question was asked, nothing else made sense. That was all that I could think about. It was all that I could see within myself that God was calling me to do. And the reality is that over my life, people had spoken it over me and into me. And I just kind of smiled and nodded and laughed and thought, yeah, okay, that's great. You pray that prayer, but it's never going to happen. Ruth knew it was going to happen way before I did. But then in that moment over dinner, Over dinner, I think there's definitely something spiritual there. It's definitely important to eat together, to share. God encounters you over dinner, so do that more. But in that moment, something changed in my spirit, and I recognized that God, it wasn't Jill calling this out of me, it was God calling this out of me, something I had no idea that was in there. So if you maybe feel something burning in your spirit or or begin to kind of maybe just nudge at you a little bit, Don't push it away because you think it makes no sense. It doesn't fit in with my life plan. Like Ray said last week, you can make plans, but we need to trust God to guide our steps because actually we can make plans, but God can have a whole different plan for our lives. And who knows that God's plan is way better than anything that we can plan for ourselves. You see, God knew me. God knows me better than I know myself and he knows you better than you know yourself and so when we encounter God he calls something out of us he calls something out of us and you know the rest six months later I was on the uh, AOG ministerial program training to become the man I am today two years later I'm here pastoring a church it wasn't on my radar it wasn't my time plan it didn't fit into you know the order of things I had sorted out but God knew better God knew where I was supposed to be. So ask yourself today, what is God calling out of you? 
What name is he calling you today as he speaks to you? When Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see you the same way that we see each other, tall, short, fat, thin, bald, hairy, whatever it is. He doesn't see us like that. He doesn't see us by the the label of our careers or our relationship status or our criminal record or the things that we have done in the past or what goes on behind closed doors. He doesn't see us by any of that. And as believers, he doesn't even just see you as righteous, which in itself is massive, isn't it? That we can never be more holy and more loved than we are right now. But even more than that, he sees you for who you really are, the man and the woman that you were created and designed and destined to be. We often look at the outward appearance, don't we? But he looks at the heart and he knows us better than we know ourselves. And so when we encounter Jesus like this and he begins to speak to us like this, it allows us to see through his love and through his grace in our lives to the the possibility of a a different life, the possibility of a, a better life. And when we feel loved like that, we can then have the faith to step into a version of ourselves that transcends the limitations of our past, that goes beyond any labels that we may have had spoken over us, that goes beyond any mistakes that we have made in our past. Maybe God is saying to you, you're better than this. You're better than this. And not out of a sense of of anger at the way that you're living or the decisions that you're making, but out of a belief in you that you were created for better than this, that actually you were called to greatness. It's something that as parents we can perhaps know quite well, that actually when you see your, your child or your children growing up and making decisions that perhaps you don't agree with, You might think or you might even say you're better than this. Not because you're judging them, not because you're mad at them, but because you recognize their potential. You see in them who they could really be if they applied themselves, if they made better choices. In John 10.10 it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. No matter where you're at right now, no matter what mistakes you've made in your past or even in this week, there is something within you. There's something within each and every one of us that God wants to call out so that we can have this abundant life, so we can have this better life, so that we can live in the greatness that God is calling us to live in, filled with his his passion and the purposes that he is putting on our lives. So what is God calling out of you today? He's calling you by name. And so Jesus looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down. I must stay at your house today. 
And then we come to the climax of this scene, this, this encounter between Zacchaeus and Jesus. And the reality is there's no detail in the scripture about how long they spent together or what they ate or what was said. But we get a glimpse of this incredible transformation. Zacchaeus says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now, I'm not sure of the maths here. I, I, I don't know exactly how much this is going to cost him. But what I do know is this is huge. And the reality is there is no half measure with what Zacchaeus is declaring in this moment. He is holding nothing back. Maybe even to the point that it would leave him with nothing. But this encounter with Jesus caused him to do something that was absolutely outrageous. But that's the transforming power of Jesus, isn't it? That's the transforming power of Jesus. That whatever once held us back, whatever used to be our focus can change like that when we encounter Jesus. God's calling something out of us. And, and I believe that with that flows a life of outrageous generosity. For Zacchaeus, it was with his finances. And, but I believe that it applies for, to every aspect of our lives. Maybe it is our finances, but maybe it's our words or our time or our love or our grace or our forgiveness or, or gifts of healing that God has given to us or words of prophecy that he is giving to us. I believe that God gives to us so that we can then be outrageous in our generosity giving it back to other people. Because as we meet with Jesus, as we encounter Jesus, the blessings of heaven come down into our lives and they are poured into us. And we have a choice in that moment, don't we? That we can sit there and accept it and go, yes, God loves me. Yes, he has given me this grace that has made me holy and righteous in his sight. He has given me all the blessings of heaven and we can sit there and we can keep it for ourselves. But after a transforming encounter with Jesus, like Zacchaeus in this moment, perhaps our attitude can shift. Perhaps our attitude can change and actually we can recognize that all the blessings that God gives us, everything that he is pouring into our lives, it's not for us. We're just a conduit. We need to allow these blessings to flow through us. Instead of holding on to what God gives us, we need to allow it to pour out of us and into those around us. Let's help those blessings on their way. What would it look like if we held nothing back? What would it look like if we gave in the same way that God gives to us this outrageous, sacrificial generosity without concern of, of how much we'll have left. You know, if we, we maybe accept this and say, yeah, the blessings aren't for us, so we'll let it flow out of us, but I just want to keep a little bit in the reserves. I want to keep a little bit banked for a rainy day. That is not what God's calling us to. We are supposed to be open and just let it flow through us, not worrying about ourselves, not worrying about what might happen in the future, but just believing that God is faithful and God is trustworthy and that he wants to bless us so we can bless others and he will take care of us. 
He will take care of us. And the blessings that God gives us that we, we allow to pour out of us, they need to go not just to our friends or our families or the people that we love, but also to our neighbours and our colleagues and the people we go to school with and to strangers and even to our enemies. The blessings should flow through us without restriction because that is who God is calling us to be. Can we respond to an encounter with Jesus like Zacchaeus did? To allow God to transform us from the inside out to become the men and women that God has called us to be. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. God's calling something out of you today. He's calling you by name. And and that may mean that you have to shake off the, the fear or the doubts or the concerns of what people might say about you, of what people might think about you. But what he's calling out of you will not only will only impact you but it's going to impact all those around you in your world and the key to it all we've got to climb that tree so we can see Jesus so we can encounter Jesus and allow his awesome outrageous grace and love to transform us from the inside out he's calling you by name he's calling you by name Why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you that you are a good, good father, that you love us, that you are for us, that you have got an incredible destiny lined up for us. And so God, I pray that for each and every person here this morning and, and listening online, that God, you would call out of us the man or the woman you've created us to be, that you would call us by name and that we would hear you. In whatever form that looks like through word, through scripture, prophecy, dream, vision, whatever it is that we would hear you calling us by name. And we wouldn't be scared that there would be no fear or no no doubt about the consequences of stepping into the fullness of your plans and purposes in our lives, but that we would trust you to guide our steps, that we would trust you to lead us into the fullness of you. And so we thank you. We thank you, God.